0: we have bellied up to the bar. We are hitting the two taboos here at the above the bar podcast things that they say in a, in a bar or at Thanksgiving, you don't talk about, we're going to cover both of them. We're going to be talking politics. We're going to be talking religion and we're going to be talking about how we can do this without murdering each other <laughs> <laughs> in that conversation. And, uh, the the master of ceremonies for this the uh, the guy I guess in this case the guy you don't bring to Thanksgiving or to the bar with you because he's gonna talk about these kind of things we from parts unknown from the far flung areas and he's got good hair I couldn't have his hair I, I, <laughs> I could never pull that one pull that one off from the talking politics and religion podcast we have with us Mr Corey Nathan. Oh, ah, wrong button. Look at that. You were supposed to get, you were supposed to get, I got a new soundboard. I so suck with this thing. Hold on. <laughs> Stand by. Why is my soundboard messing with me? Uh, Here. Oh, wow. Much better.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Sean, it's good to see you, man. Thanks for good having me speak. at the bar. Uh,
0: absolutely. And we appreciate having you. And I meant to ask you this earlier because we were talking uh, before the show that he, he was doing some local stuff uh, with his own uh, political constituents. What, what area of the country are you coming to us from today?
1: I live about 30 miles North of Los Angeles. So it's a town called Santa Clarita. Uh, sure. If you've ever seen, there's a show on, on Netflix with, um, oh, what's her name? Uh, for, uh, she was a, the little girl in ET and now she has a talk show.
0: Oh, um, Drew Barrymore.
1: Drew Barrymore. Yeah. So she was the star of the show sitcom about, she plays a real estate agent, but she's yes, a the zombie, one, the zombie one. Yes. She's a man eating zombie. And I'm like, this is so accurate to my town. Like it depicts, you know, it depicts the characters yeah. of my town. So like spot on, you know,
0: that's <laughs> so. too funny. Yeah. Cause I yeah. know the show you're talking about. I'll have to introduce you to, uh, since you're into the whole politics out there, I'll have to in- introduce you to, uh, Kristen Manna. She's been on the show. Uh, and she's a good friend of the show. Kristen is very involved with the GOP out there, but not in front of the camera, but behind it. Okay. And uh, I just also talking about Los Angeles. I just looked up because my kids live in Florida. uh, Two of them, my sons that are in college and and, in 26 years old. And we were like, they went through the hurricane. Do you know the safest and most dangerous natural disaster cities in America?
1: So, i mean i'm gonna guess like miami and los angeles for like hurricane and earthquake reasons but am i am i wrong
0: los angeles is number one for natural disasters in the country uh it is the least safest place in the country to live for natural disasters but do you know what the safest one is is it miami no syracuse new york
1: oh man but then you have to live in syracuse
0: <laughs> Syracuse isn't that bad. I I've been there plenty of times. If you've never been to Syracuse, you got to become an Orangeman fan, you know. Uh they do have a horrible kids don't graduate from college there often. It's like really bad. That's like yeah. one of their big claims of fame is you go and you play sports there, but nobody ever graduates. But yeah, I thought that was was very interesting. So that is interesting. We're, we're They're we're bellied up and already making left turns here and stuff. Oh, look at that. Look who just popped up. Kristen Mano. Oh, hey, Christian Manna. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted you to know that uh, our guest today, Corey, is right there in uh, Santa Clarita and in your backyard, and he does politics Yeah, on his podcast, so you'll have to link up. You guys will have to talk. Well, I'll introduce you to But yeah, let's get I'm
1: friendly it. with some of the GOPers out here. Scott, Wilk, and I are, are good pals. He's our state senator. Uh, I haven't really gotten to know Suzette yet, but she's, uh, she's terrific. She's our state assembly member now. And, uh, a bunch of the people were, they're not supposed to declare for city council, but a bunch of, uh, like mayor Bill, well, he's, uh, he was mayor pro tem, uh, but Bill Miranda and I are good pals. So yeah. Yeah.
0: You're all, you're all up in the mix. See, I don't, yeah. I, I we had, uh, gosh, and now my brain, uh, Jones ran for governor out there. Um, gosh, why is my brain not working right now? Uh, oh, look at this. I want to meet Corey. I'm so happy that he's your guest on the show. Yeah, I can't wait. Look at that.
1: I'd love to. I'm sure there's some things that I'm going to piss you off, and you're going to reverse your decision. Like now, I definitely don't want to talk to that guy, but uh, I'd love to. It'd be great to like have a coffee or whatever, a beer or something. So
0: she, she's the one that if you, if you have managed to piss off Kristen, you have done something. Like (laughs) you you have, you have succeeded where few have succeeded. If if you pull that one off, but uh, let me see. Let me give it a whirl. But let's get into some things here. Before we get sure. starting, as always, folks, if you're joining us for the first time, this first time you're checking us out, please like, share, subscribe, do all those kind of things. Uh that if this is your first time checking us out, if you found us through Corey, if you're finding Corey through us, make sure you go check him out. His ticker's running along the bottom right now. Politics and religion.us is his website. And uh his uh I'm going switching over here. And if you're looking to actually connect with him, he says he uses Twitter more than anything. And that's at Corey S. Nathan. That's again, that's at Corey S. Nathan. If you're looking for him on Twitter, it's also his Instagram. He says doesn't use it much, but we'll stalk him there if we need to. So but at the same time, let's get into some things as we always do. If you've got something, maybe you've got a podcast, you've got a political group, whatever it is you're into Whatever you're supporting, if you reach out to us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, TikTok, Instagram, even our email, it's all the above the bar podcast and the emails at gmail.com. Send us a a message. I'll read it. I'll give you the address where to send this stuff at. You send me a sticker. I put it on the big board behind me. The goal here is to fill that thing up once it's on on the big board and we'll read about whatever group you've got going. But now maybe you're uh, maybe you're you're. Media is part of the bull party, and if you know what the bull party was, it's old and really didn't do much for what it thought it was going to be. So keep that in mind. Is the bull media- moose
1: party or the
0: bull party? The bull, the bull party that was, um that was Teddy Roosevelt.
1: Well, um, bull moose, yeah, bull, Mo- Teddy, Teddy bull moose. Teddy, Teddy ran in nineteen twelve. Yeah, he ran on the bull moose party because he, his old pal, who was a one term president, nineteen oh eight to nineteen, well, nineteen oh nine to nineteen thirteen. um, uh, Taft is that what was that his name um he uh Teddy wasn't too happy with him no. and then he couldn't get the Republican uh vote so he split off and did the Bull Moose party uh, more but he, I think he would appeal to a lot of people that like his his ethos would appeal to a lot of people because he was oh, yeah. conservative in some realms uh but but libertarian in others and progressive in others you know he wasn't like orthodox to one particular um Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, mean, I can't do like I'm not a multitasker, so I'm You're reading Kristen's comment. And
0: <laughs> anyway, already trying to hook you up with other podcasts. How about he stays on this one for right now, Kristen? Let's just yeah. Wait, <laughs> wait for right now. We'll 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 throw him off to other people soon enough. Just let's go with this one for a moment. But but yeah. So if your media is in it is still sitting back in 1912 and you want to update it, make sure you reach out to Media by Dibs. That's D I B S. You can catch Dibs. On Instagram and on, on Facebook at Media by Dibs. And if you look him up on LinkedIn, it's Andrew Dibble, D I B B L E. Reach out to Media by Dibs. All right. Homework or how? Wait, plan. is that in relation to Rob Dibble? I don't know. He's from out this way. Oh, yeah, okay. In Michigan. Uh, he's normally, many times, he's my co host. You're all good there, Kristen. A lot of times he's my co host. Uh, he wasn't able to make it today. So, but all that being said, we're talking, and I said it at the beginning, we're talking about two things that you're not supposed to talk to about at the bar. Corey's got a podcast. It's about politics, and it's about religion, and it's about how to have these conversations without killing each other. That's right. In the process of doing it. So, brother, again, welcome to the bar. Thanks.
1: Thanks. What, what are we drinking? So, I'm kind of a rye guy, but uh, what are we drinking?
0: Now, I told you. Folks, for those of you that know, I blew out my ACL a few months back. I'm finally getting surgery tomorrow. Uh, So I would typically I love out here in our area. um, One of the few things that Lord Commander Cuomo ever got right was (laughs) he uh, made it to where you could get a distiller's license in New York for $1,000. Oh, wow. And the key to it was is whatever you produced had to be 75% of that product had to be New York material. Well, okay. Rye is a New York grain. Oh, nice. And f- good friends of the show. Bodies of mine. that have been on a couple of time. New Scotland spirits, uh, make the best rye I've ever had. Helderberg, uh, they're up in the Helderberg mountains. It's amazing. Rye. The best way I can describe it to you, Corey, is when you smell it, it smells like a new baseball glove. That leathery <laughs> smell. It is I love so, it. It is so perfect. That, and I'm a big bourbon drinker. Um, their bourbon is amazing, but my, my favorite is Heaven's Hill. Oh, I'm going to have to give that a whirl. Yeah, that's, um, they're one of the ones, I don't know if you knew this, there's only, you, you know how they talk. I mean, about it's
1: appropriate for our conversation.
0: Absolutely. A little bit of heaven, right? A little bit of heaven. Well, you know how people talk about um the the Illuminati and all those kind of crazy theories that are out there. Heaven, yeah. uh Heaven's Hill and Seagram's, and there's a couple of other ones out there. There's only like truly five or seven just comp liquor companies that own all the rest. Hmm. All the you know, unless it's like something in your your next door neighbor or in your very local, local neighborhood. Yeah, all the rest of them that are out there. Yeah. Buffalo Trace is owned by Heavens Hill. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Like you start looking. That's my go
1: to, by the way, Buffalo Trace. I mean, I said, I know I said rye, but like Buffalo Trace is definitely a trusty, trusty bourbon. So you can't go
0: wrong. It's one of those. And if you like bourbon, you got to watch the documentary neat. N E A T Yeah, I did. I did. It's amazing. Yeah. Really cool. Really interesting stuff. Uh, And I love how they met. I mean, that's a Of all industries in America to me, Bourbon has done the best of manufacturing a product shortage that isn't there. Because <laughs> if you look at it, they're like, oh, well, this bourbon right here, it's only came out of this one barrel and we put a number on it. That's right. Well, it must be amazing Then I need to have that.
1: <laughs> that's, that's right. That's, it's I like these it. pictures in the back, you know, they, they make a high quality G Clay, or whatever they call it, something fancy. It's basically a copy of a painting, but they put numbers on it like 12 out of 82. And now, all of a sudden, instead of paying like you know 50 bucks for it, I'm paying like 3,000 bucks for it.
0: We were just at uh, New York City Comic Con, my best friend Ken and I, and I bought my wife. Uh, I don't know if you know who Alex Ross is. I bought her an oh, Alex, yeah, sure. I bought her an Alex Ross print. He does the okay. Best- the best out there for comic book artists that are around bought an Alex Ross print. It was numbered. It's, it's a poster. It's, it's the equivalent of a, it's a, you know, but that's how, Pica- you know, that's how Picasso made his money. Oh, I didn't know that. If you look, um, a lot, you know, we think about the original Picasso's, but he sold prints also. Okay. So you can, you can find original Picasso prints. Cause I always thought about him when I was younger. I, I didn't realize he lived in the 1900s.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he lived at least into the 50s, right? 1950s. I, yeah. Well, I forget when he died, but yeah, he 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 was creating art. I mean, he came into his own right around the time of George Brock. Uh, you know, like the post Monet, Monet, uh those guys, and he did. they they were exploring this whole other cubist thing, you know, with shapes and uh, the, the way the way they describe it is him and Brock were coming into their own when jazz was first coming on the scene and sense. and the what they were experimenting with was trying to trying to see a figure from all sides at the same time and and Picasso's idea of it was like to be able to see things the way God sees things from every angle all
0: at the same time you know what I mean so and and there is actually the gentleman who uh, if you guys are around on this Saturday, we'll, we're doing a live. Seventy-three. Yeah. We're doing a live show on Saturday. Uh, James reached out to me and asked if I would come out and moderate a political uh, thing that they've got going on here in New York in the Ravenna Coyman area. He's probably going to correct me. I'm pretty sure. It's, I have to look it up. I'm going to be in another bar. That's all that matters to me. Okay. Like, like two days after my surgery, so it'll be a good time. Antibiotics and liquor. It'll be fine. Nobody said. Yeah. That
1: thing little little vicodin a little liquor
0: <laughs> yep. yeah it's, it's good for you put hair on your chest yeah awesome. yeah yeah see i was right ravine equipment um so but let's get into this so you do a show yeah and it truly the the long form name of it is pol- talking politics and religion and how not to kill each other it, it's like that's like the long form name i'm probably missing a piece of it there but that's, that's about all right. right
1: yeah you got it about right talk of politics and religion without killing each other
0: there you go what, you know, and I'm kind of curious to this. Were you all getting into this? And we talked a little bit about, you know, you have a pastor. I have a pastor. People get surprised. Like, you go to church? Yeah, every Sunday. I'm, yeah. I I, I I do that. Um, but what got you, you know, were you always into this stuff? Was there something that happened? Like, where does your, what birthed your podcast?
1: In In some ways, it was birthed about 20 something years ago when uh so i i grew up in a very observantly jewish family we went to an orthodox synagogue i went to hebrew school my whole life even into high school um but i became a christian when i was 29. oh wow so uh, that forced a couple things to happen one is i had to have very difficult conversations with my family about why i became a christian
0: whole family's jewish mom and dad
1: yeah okay yeah. uh my father's become even more observant, he wears a yarmulke. He pray. He davens three times a day with a oh, wow. uh, minion. You, you know, like they, it's it's we're, we weren't once a year Jews that just like showed up for Yom Kippur and you know pounded Yom. our chest a little bit. We were like I keeping kosher and uh, you know I know what Tishba of is. I mean, like you know, <laughs> it, so yeah, we were we were serious. But I um, there was this thing that happened in two thousand. Uh, you were remarking on my books, I, that was one of those seasons when I was reading probably 10 hours a day, like without exaggeration, I just had these existential questions that I was pursuing and without going too deep into the details, I finally got to the point where I was like, I need to read the New Testament because I, I come from not just a Jewish family, but like uh, a part of my family came from Eastern Europe, uh, another part of my family was eviscerated in in uh, World War in in the Holocaust. Oh, wow. So we we had an aversion to people wearing crosses. You know, we had an aversion to Christianity because it was the guys wearing crosses on their shields and on their helmets that were swinging their swords and beheading our neighbors and burning down our houses and raping our our, our family members. Uh, so we had an aversion to Christianity. Um, but I so I couldn't even get to the point to read the New Testament until I had months and months of spring and summer where I was looking into theological, existential, philosophical questions. I finally read the New Testament. And uh, the first book was actually Book of James, where it's like written for the Jews. It's like to the 12 tribes. I'm like, oh, hey, how you doing? That's me. you know. Um, and it was actually dealing with that book, that letter's dealing with stuff that I was grappling with, like faith versus works. I'm not quite getting this thing. And then I just started at the beginning of the collection in Matthew and what I encountered Jesus as, uh, like his, his interactions with the Pharisees, it struck me as how rabbis would talk to each other. Like if you read the Talmud, the Talmud is basically a number of, of scholars and, and uh, rabbis, you know, studying the Torah and having these heated debates about what it means. Um, and that's what Jesus' confrontations, like in Matthew 23, uh, when it's really, really heated, but it just struck me as rabbis talking amongst each other and having differences. But then also like early in the book, early in that first letter, or excuse me, uh, the, the gospel, Matthew five, he gets into what I recognized as uh, in Judaism, it's called a Dvar Torah. Jesus was giving a Devar Torah. And frankly, it was one of the most brilliant Devar Torahs I'd ever read. Now, what does uh, that mean? I've
0: never heard that term.
1: So Dvar Torah. So uh, it, it traditionally in in uh, Judaism, I know in ortho, uh, Orthodox Judaism, I don't know how it is in Conservative or Reform Judaism, but in Orthodox, you read uh, portions of the Torah three times a week, and typically what happens is you read the portion, uh, and then the rabbi gives a uh, like a he, he teaches about that that portion. It's called Dvar Torah, uh, and Je- so Jesus was given this Dvar Torah, and it really it was Jesus himself and what he was teaching that compelled me the most. And um, so anyway, I I got to the end of the book. I had some Christian friends that I was talking to and uh, I prayed a clumsy prayer one night in October of 2000. And uh, I woke up the next day. and I told my wife, Hey Lee, I'm, I think I'm a Christian, (laughs) you know? Uh, But then having to have those conversations, we went back for Thanksgiving back. uh, My parents were living in Jersey at the time. They're in upstate New York. Now they're actually not upstate. They're in, um, what would you call it warwick new york in the hudson valley
0: okay um, so they're, but they're, we they
1: were in jersey south south at the time south. they're south uh, i'm in albany so oh okay yeah so not not too far from you we have cousins there um and uh had to have some really difficult conversations with them but here's the other thing this is where the politics comes in i started going to church you know first thing you do you become a christian you start going to church i started going to church and i realized that a lot of people i was going to church with weren't nearly as enamored or compelled by scripture and, and the virtues espoused in scripture as they were with these other social and political things. Uh, and sometimes those social and political issues frankly were at odds, uh, even back then with, uh, with what we read in scripture, there was one early on where, uh, it was actually something in Torah in Leviticus, uh, where I got into a conflict about, um, immigration. And the guy was trying to come to this really hardcore anti-immigration, policy based on a couple things he was drawing from leviticus 19 at the top i'm like dude have you read the chapter like let's keep reading the chapter i don't think you're reading it very well because the by the bottom of the chapter it's basically uh, i wouldn't say it's an open border policy but god is is saying listen you have to treat it's it's another version of treat your neighbors as yourselves treat the immigrants among you as one of your own and then he gives a whole bunch of different processes to go through in order to make them part of the tribes Uh, but he also says uh, because I'm your God, you you are my people, and I'm your God. You know, so I got into a heated argument about like, hey man, it if you're anti-immigrant, like you're entitled, like it's a free country, you're entitled to that. But let's not pretend that it's based on scripture. Like do, if you believe in scripture and prioritize scripture, great. Let's talk about scripture. You know, I happen to believe it's authoritative. So I was coming across like the Jersey Jew than I am. So you know, I got kicked out of that <laughs> Bible study. But I'm like, it's. It's the Bible, like you know.
0: Listen, I, I'm gonna need to tell you about this. Listen to here, hey, this, you don't get it, <laughs> you don't understand what I'm trying to explain to you. Yeah, down. We'll have a little. bit of sandwich. Put a little bit of sugar on there, but it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I, I understand exactly what. And and it's interesting. You definitely he, knowing the background with a jewish upbringing and then into christianity you definitely have a different approach to it and a different understanding and i can't tell you how many times i've explained to people i'm like do you do know the first christians it was judeo christian and they're like well i don't even understand what that means i'm like oh do you know the dead sea scrolls those pieces of paper that were stuck in a jar yeah that's that judeo meaning jewish christians converted and even when you're talking about the way Jesus spoke many times the correct translation of what they called him was not teacher they called him rabbi rabbi they yeah. called him rabbi because that was their understanding so it's a very interesting approach and i, I have to tell you i'm a little jealous of that level of knowledge um because i've always approached my faith i went from being a growing up roman catholic to becoming a methodist and i've i've told the story before god meant for me to be a methodist like all my children were baptized methodist and when my last when one of my sons was born he was born on a friday that sunday we walked into our current church and i've he's 13 and i've never gone to another one since then and it was a methodist i've always said god meant me to be a methodist but uh so it's interesting that you've got that approach and, and you've brought that light have you caught heat even before the podcast? I know you said you, you got into it with somebody about that. But when you're able to bring that level of knowledge to be able to say, hey, look, this is what it, it's the because the, the Old Testament is the Old Testament. If you didn't know that, folks, a little education, all three of your major religions use the same thing as the Old Testament. The separation isn't until you get to. uh We catholicism or christianity goes into a new testament then uh islam has their their versions and then the jewish faith kind of goes nope none of that shit ever happened stop right here stopped right here folks (laughs) you guys don't even you guys don't even know, know yeah um so yeah i i have caught heat
1: but that's basically what my project has been i spent the last 22 years i guess um figuring out how to talk to people more effectively about these important issues. You know, we don't talk about it because we we we've lost the ability to talk about it. But these things are important, man. Like I know that not everybody's like me that they lose sleep at night wondering about these big ex- existential questions. But, you know, uh, but I do. Like I think about, you know, where did this all come from and you know, and listen, I, I'm not like a young Earth creationist, so uh, I, you know, I also really appreciate macro physics and and all that stuff. But it's also the philosophical questions of like the why behind it, you know, and, and then also crafting a sto- a meaningful story about who we are as a people and in how we live well among each other as a people. And that's where religion and politics all are supposed to come in. But what I noticed is, and listen, I, I've, been on certain, I've been in certain conversations where folks want to ask me about specific uh, issues, specific policies. And there are certain, certain ones that I do feel pretty strongly about. But none, no policy do I feel as strongly about as a conviction that we, we have turned... Uh, people who disagree with us into enemies that we can't Amen. even talk to you know Amen. and and I, I just think listen I, I i'm not a big hannity fan for example but i got a i got a buddy Pete uh, pierino i, I he's a, a he's originally from italy but he's got hannity on all the time he's got tucker on all the time he's a big fan but you know what pete and i when we see each other his dog Bella, we get along really well. I've been over his house with Hannity Blair in the background. He's a great cook. His wife makes, uh, his wife is a great baker. And we get along. We still got to figure out how to, like, hey, you know, you you like that thing. I like the other thing. I see you got a Raven sticker. I'm a Giants fan. We still got to figure out how to get along, even though you're wrong about the football thing.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Do, do we want to talk about a Super Bowl win? You <laughs> that was over? O-
1: 07, 2011. Yeah, yeah, I know. You had the one where we had, the night the, lights,
0: the night the lights went out yeah which yeah. I swore that was the fix was in there and, and Kristen asked it so and we're going to get into more about his podcast but when do, when do you air your episodes do you yeah. do any live recordings and, and what's the example of some of the guests that you've had on?
1: yeah so thank thanks for asking uh, I don't I don't do live recordings but I am absolutely I I love the interplay and and I'm open to doing that um frankly I have to Learn about it, and you know this this uh, platform is great. Maybe we'll do something like this and have start integrating some live shows. We typically release an episode on Sunday night. Uh, sometimes I'm getting late, so it get, it doesn't get released till Monday morning. Uh, the the one that's uh, airing this week, I had. Uh, if you're political geeks, political junkies like me, you'll know who these guys are. I had Mike Madrid and Joe Trippi on together, and Madrid is a longtime Republican strategist, uh, you know, practitioner. And his one of his biggest claims to fame is he got Arnold elected governor a Republican elected in California. Trippy his claim to fame well he's been on presidential elections but uh, he was what's his name the governor from um, from Vermont 04 uh, grassroots campaign uh, he was okay. on his can- Howard Dean's campaign but more recently he got he got jo- yeah exactly he got Jones elected in in Alabama. So I had the Democrat who got a Democrat elected statewide in Alabama and the Republican who got a Republican elected statewide in California. And they were just talking about the state of uh, politics, the state of the election, you know, what's going on in the campaign. 14, 14. What, what was interesting is that they both agreed that democracy is on the ballot, that it's not hyperbolic to say that democracy itself is on yeah. the ballot. I agree. So Mike, Mike uh, despite his, his conservative political leanings and, and long track record, he's been doing this since the late 80s. He really feels that you know when you have when you have candidates like the governor uh, of Arizona that race somebody like Carrie Lake who brazenly says still says that the 2020 election was stolen. He said that's a danger. Like we can't, I can't get to fiscal policy. I can't get to foreign policy if we don't have a free and fair election a de- democracy. We can't even talk about that stuff. Um, so it was a really interesting conversation. I've had people like. Uh, my when I left New Jersey in 1995, uh, my favorite governor, Christy Whitman. Uh, so we had uh, Governor Christine Todd Whitman on. Um, we've had uh, also a Jersey. So, wow. what every once in a while, I'll take, a, I'll take a, a random guest on, but uh, so we had John Popper. Uh, I don't know if you know Blues
0: yeah, Traveler, absolutely. Uh, yeah, many times arrested for gun charges. And uh, <laughs> talk about libertarian, dude, That's why we had him on because dude, it's hardcore libertarian. Absolutely. I think he
1: has, like, liberal social positions, like on abortion, for example. But he's hardcore libertarian when it comes to gun rights. Interesting, oh, interesting dude.
0: Arrested. But he he was going through a spurt there where, like, every time they pulled him over, yeah. he had, like, a, a new, like, hiding spot for a gun in his car yeah. and yeah. all kinds of stuff. I, that's a great one. I would love to talk to a guy like that. that we'll have to you and I will have to talk to figure out where you get all your guests from. Cause that's one that I would definitely uh, be interested. So, in. so,
1: you know, what's crazy doing this thing. I, I don't come from politics. I don't come from journalism. And when I started reaching out to people that I really love, like politicians that I, I really admire and respect uh, journalists, writers that I really admire and respect, we had Pete Wayner, we had Jonathan Rausch. Um, what amazed me is that a nobody like me can reach out to these people and they get back to me. They're like, yeah, Hey, that sounds like fun. Let's, you know, Absolutely. I reach out to him. Like, hey, I really respect your work. And we're doing this thing called talk politics and religion, not killing each other. We'd love to have you on. We'll talk about your new book or whatever. And they got back to me like, hey, that sounds like fun. I'm like, really?
0: in a while Now, what do you think about? Now, I'm going to throw you a curveball here. All right. Uh, Bart Barber. He wait, is, wait.
1: Uh, the head of the SPC?
0: Yeah. Southern Baptist uh, Conference was just on. Um, 60 Minutes. 60 Minutes the other day. And CBS Sunday Morning ran it also. Yeah, he's a unique guy. So he's, you know, leading seventy-five million people. Yep, uh, for the Southern Baptist Conference. For those who don't know it, it's the largest Baptist conference in the country. Heads up, seventy-five million people, straight up said the that January sixth was BS and that the election wasn't rigged. It was. It is what it is. Stop playing games with it. Says he prays
1: for President Biden every day. He's the duly elected president he's our president um I love this stuff. but you know what you know what else is interesting and i really respected is when um cooper uh wait wait um anderson when anderson cooper got to some theological questions yes he's very very uh conservative theologically and i i appreciated the fact that he he was he was just being candid you know so yeah. while on the one hand, he has these political positions that I'm sure he's getting a lot of heat for saying that oh, 2020 God. was fair, a lot of heat for it. And yet the dude is still, he's not in favor of gay marriage. He is uh, life of conception, you know, all these. And so he didn't try to give answers and tailor it for what he thought the audience was. He was just being a hundred percent candid. And I really, even though I just, dis- I disagree with some of his positions theologically, I respect the guy who stands on his convictions, regardless of, of what the ramifications will be. You know,
0: I have to agree with you. And, and and this kind of gets into one of my biggest things when, when it gets into politics and religion and and correct you, you can correct me, Corey, you sound way smarter than I am on a lot of these things. But you know, when people talk about the Roe v. Way stuff that's going on. Yeah. And I, First off, I always have to educate people. It's not illegal. Abortion is not illegal. They push it to a state's right thing. Right. It's not illegal. But also when you start educating people who are hardcore pro-life or um, not pro-life, but uh, anti-abortion, and you have to educate them that. Hey, you do know that this never was a topic in this entire country till the early 1900s when every religion was trying to decide who was the most conservative so that they could be the one in charge. This was not a topic. This is not something that ever came up. This is something that became political right in the early 1900s because you want to see how conservative I am. This is what I believe. You think you're conservative. Watch what I do. Yeah, you know, you get prohibition during those time frames, and all the other stuff that comes along with it. So, how do you feel about that?
1: So, believe it or not, it's even more recent than that. Uh, It was, it Cooper showed what the SBC's actual position on abortion was, uh, circa 1971, which is happens to be the year that I was born. And it's interesting because it it sounds it wasn't they it couldn't have reflected a life starts at conception. Uh, ethos or or p- position because uh, it, it was very sympathetic to women needing abortions if their health was in danger, uh, if the if the you know uh, baby's life was in danger they, they 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 spelled out very specific situations when abortion uh, would be necessary. Uh, and, and it wasn't even like life of the mother at stake. It was even like, uh, I, I forgot the way it was worded, but it was worded in such a way where, um, if uh, it, it was just very sympathetic uh, right. and that was 71. But uh, post row, uh, so I think that was 73, there were these other political entities that, that found they could basically hijack certain cultural issues and then really create divisions um, so that they can really parlay it uh, and, and, and get legislation passed. Uh, work it into campaigns to get certain politicians elected, uh, and they it was it was basically a caboose that they hitched onto uh, a segregationist uh, wagon. The, so, uh, abortion was one of uh, two or three issues that they hooked onto that to that wagon. Uh, I, I don't know the um, I don't know the the timeline of it quite as well as as I should, but I've been learning more about it. I'm reading uh, Stuart Stevens' book right now, and he um, he he's about uh, 65, 70 years old. So he was on campaign <clears throat> on campaigns in the late 70s, early 80s when he was starting his career, and he did it. He was basically his book. The first part of his book, he's he's sharing the story about they couldn't be explicitly um, race oriented, but they could they could have these issues that was explicitly playing towards white white grievance so they you know by the time he got involved in the politics he couldn't do the segregation thing but he knew that in the south this is a Southern, uh, Nixon Southern strategy he knew that there were code words and code issues if you will that played to white directly to white grievance so it, it's a, it's such an interesting history to see how it's all evolved and then to start to connect the dots and look at issues that, you know, smart strategists and, and y- y- regardless of whether you agree with them or not, they're just strategic at what they do. Leave the conscience part of it or, or the ethical part of it aside. It's like, wow, you know, it, it, that's really interesting what they're doing. They're, you know, playing up CRT or something like that or, you know, uh, reacting a certain way to Black Lives Matter. And it's like, huh, I see who they're playing to. And it's and it's working.
0: 100 percent. Well, that's the, the whole statue thing. These people that yeah. like so upset when a statue gets pulled down or all that. And I'm like, you 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 do realize they were mostly put up as a race, uh kind of like, oh no, we're just Southern Pride. No, you just put up a statue of an obvious Confederate loser general who was who owned slaves just to piss people off. And you 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 screened it in this Southern Pride thing, which Always has made me laugh. I'm always like, that's, that's not how that works. So when yeah. people get about these statues, it's always like, look, folks, that statue wasn't there when, when your grandparents were born, somebody put that thing up just to be, yeah. a dick. just to be, yeah. a dick. That, yeah. that's all it was. It was, it was a dickhead move and that's why they put it up. So let's just understand that that's what that is. But that brings me to my next question. Sure. Which is when you're addressing these things with people and you're talking to them. Do you ever get into or what is your thoughts on where does and this is what I think about where religion gets into politics? Where does your morality, your religious morality stop and my morality can begin? And what I mean by that is when you look at most things and we're talking about we mentioned Roe v. Way or you look at even our drug laws in this country, which are very race related um, most of these things are of a moral nature. You have decided based on your religious belief that this is the correct morality to something, and it has no value in politics, which should be down the middle, that pulled away from it. What is what is the actual just legality taking is that is that making sense to you? I, I think you?
1: I think I understand where what you're getting at. Like to, to what degree. Um, is it cool to impose my beliefs on you? Thank you. Yes. And I don't I don't think it's cool at all, because I think one of the great confusions I've learned about American evangelicalism in particular is that a lot of the real priorities look a lot more,
0: <laughs> it's so funny, Kristen. <laughs> yeah, Kristen says Roe v. Wade needs a lot of drinks. Yeah. I always tell my candidates to, to say both the baby and the mama's lives matter you're absolutely
1: right yeah you're absolutely right um so i think where we've gotten confused and i still consider myself an evangelical is that a lot of what's actually important to us looks a lot more like a colonial uh, like a colonizer than the the community the people of god that around that that is defined with jesus at the center right We we are the first fruits of the resurrection. We're the coming attraction of what it should look like when when um, we we complete the work of of the Hebrew uh, expression is tikkun olam of healing the world, right? But but I think, and and this has been happening for at least seventeen hundred years, plus or minus, you know, when Constantine became a Christian, that's when that's when Christianity was born, really. Thank you. That's when so it became a part of empire. And Thank you. Uh, it, it's it's repeated itself throughout history where, you know, we're we're using the language of God, you know, and in and, and some way, in a lot of ways, it's happening today where, you know, we're using these symbols and these words and we're borrowing it for this other agenda. Right. But that's that's not what the Bible's all about. That's not what um, it, it's outside of. It's outside of what our actual work is. You know, our work here on Earth is is tikkun olam is to uh, be the people of God is to it's it's not to um it's not to pass a certain law it's not to impose our particular set of beliefs on you know on everybody around us so for for me personally I I appreciate the fact that we live in a pluralistic society I've come to certain conclusions about how what where my morality comes from and how I'm going to come to certain decisions uh you know, and it's based on the absolute conviction above everything else. Like, listen, we could talk about theology, my particular theology, but above everything else, what I am absolutely convinced about is if there is a God, I ain't him, (laughs) you know, like I am not God. Because if you knew how much of an asshole I am, you would know that I'm not God either. So
0: the Jersey upbringing right there. Yeah. (laughs) That is.
1: So me being an imperfect vessel, who am I to impose my imperfections on everybody else? You know, and because I'm an imperfect vessel, that's why I get to certain conclusions, right? But at the end of the day, I'm still not God. So I have to defer to what I've come to believe is authoritative morally and ethically, you know? But, but those are my conclusions and my conversation with God. You know, it, it, if, I'm, if I'm trying to impose my will on somebody else, then all of a sudden I'm trying to make myself God. And I just, if I really believe in God, I have to believe that God is working on that individual in their own way. And maybe, maybe God can speak a multiple, a multitude of languages, you know, you know, theological languages. So that's a possibility too. But each individual has to walk their own walk, you know? So yeah, that I, I think that um we get that's why I came to the conclusion, even though I have certain convictions based on the Bible, like back in 04, I was still a baby Christian, they were trying to. Pass uh, Prop 8 uh, to legalize gay marriage. A lot of my friends from church felt very strongly that, oh, no, it shouldn't be legal. I'm like, so hold on, guys. So here's the thing. Let's say this Prop 8 gets passed and it's illegal. I got a lot of friends who happen to be gay. Uh, they're not going to wake up the next day and be like, well, it's illegal. Being gay must be wrong. I better become a Christian. like You said you that's were a just- Giants fan. What?
0: You said you were a Giants fan.
1: Be, why? Because I'm talking about gay people. Like, what, what, what?
0: Yeah, that's what I figured you meant there when you said I had a lot of friends. <laughs> day, I figured, you're a Giants fan. That makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, well, being a Giants fan, you know, being a Ravens fan, like, listen, you have the right
0: to be wrong about that. <laughs> but, but you're absolutely right. You know, it, you're absolutely. Oh, oh, you guys. Oh, you said it's illegal. Like, I must be wrong. Way. Must be wrong. I better not be gay. Right. That's why I'll be honest. It's why one of the things i love about being a methodist we're about to have a big split in the uh, united methodist faith that's a big thing that's coming down where um a large portion of us are very supportive of the lgbtq community we're yeah very supportive we have children that that are a part of that community and we support them and unless i misread my bible it never says anything about gay being wrong. There's a political, so, There's a political portion in that where it talks about the Romans. and that so was about- I, I've
1: learned something over the last year because yeah. I, I, I studied with um, some people who know the original languages, the Aramaic, and then the early translations the, uh, the Latin and the Greek, the, the earliest translations. And this is really timely actually. A lot of the places where uh, a number of transla- English translations say homosexual, or homosexual acts or, you know, versions of that, the The word is actual, uh, actually sexual immorality. And it's referring to something very specific where um, leaders, people in positions of authority would use their position to basically rape people, to, to, to rape little boys and to, you know. So when the head of the SBC in that interview said, this is a real problem, I was really encouraged. He re- and he said- bro.
0: That blew my mind.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the parts where, where we've been taking uh, excerpts from say first Timothy or Titus and saying, Oh, well, this is where it says it's sinful. No, no, no. What it's actually talking about is what's happening in the churches is sexual abuse in the churches looks a lot more like what Timothy was talking about, what's talked about in Timothy and Romans and first Corinthians. That's what it's talking about. Not homosexuality, so I, it's I, it's been a huge eye-opener for me.
0: Love that. Brother, like, you get another—I've got to switch channels again. But you get another— <laughs> I have tried to explain to people for so long just the simple things of, like, they're like, this is what it says. I'm like, no, no. It, you know, thou shalt not kill is not what the Bible says. It says thou shalt not murder. Murder. And you got to go back to again aramaic and understand that you we transferred from a dead language to another dead language and then what well, does it it's aramaic to latin or aramaic to greek i think it's aramaic to greek then to latin and then yeah, i you know you, you whatever, might know better than i do i'm still learning this it stuff. Is, but, and it's just like when you brought up constantine that's my other favorite one is when you when you get the real hardcore and you're like You do know that a Roman emperor is why you have the Bible you have today. And they're like, yeah, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, like before him, there was a half of Christianity that believed in the Holy Trinity. And then the other half of Christianity thought it was three separate people, three separate entities that. Yeah, they were
1: working stuff out. That's what the Nicene Council was all about.
0: And he and when you explain that to people, I had an ex-brother-in-law who went went to one of those mega churches in PA. Nice guy. Super nice guy. Found God, cleaned his act up. It was very important to him. And then I explained that to him, and I felt like a bad person. Mm. I felt like a bad person telling him this when he was like, What? I'm like, Yeah, that's how it all got put together. He's like, what? What? No. I mean, I'm like, Yeah, bro. Like, do, do you know why that there's a portion of Paul that got removed when he talked about like you don't need to go to church anymore? You could just do that stuff on your own. They removed that because that was not how you could control people and their finances and all that. And he was like, like, I felt like a bad person. Like yeah. I I had done some bad shit at that point. <laughs> and, and that's, that's funny. and it's interesting to me to to hear your like, Corey, like I love your viewpoint. And folks, again, make sure you're checking out uh Corey's website, uh, www.politics nreligion.us, and, and then if you're looking him up on social media, it's at Corey S. Nathan uh, on Twitter is where he spends most of his time, and you can find him and you can listen to his show. comes out on uh, Sunday nights or mo- or Mondays is when he releases an episode. Depends upon what he's got going on. He's got good hair, so he might have to like do his hair that day. <laughs> might be shampooing it all up, uh, or cry. I can't say he's crying over the Giants because they're having a hell of a season right now. Four,
1: four on one so far, and we. I think we play next Sunday, right? Are, is it? Yeah, actually, it I is. think we
0: play on Sunday. Yeah, I got five on it. Let's talk about it. Uh, <laughs> I got five on it. Let's talk about it. But so, so now for you in this arena or on your show, and, and yeah, we talk about this one. Our show, everyone is welcome nothing, nothing's off limits and there only gets to be the one asshole. And that's me (laughs) on your show. Is there anything in that political or religious arena where you just go, Nope, we're we're not touching this. It, It is, it is too much of a, of a polarizing type thing, or it's just something that is too emotional for most people to even deal with. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting way to ask
1: that question. I have to, it'd be like how they defined porn. I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. Right. Um, (laughs) But, but what I will say, so if you, if you present me with uh, a person or um, a, a topic, I don't know, I haven't been presented with one yet that, that I said, nah, we just can't talk about that. What I will say is I know, How wide of a swath of views are represented by the guests that we've had on and the people who are listening? So, the guests that I've had on go from long term, you know, classical conservatives like Buckley, William F. Buckley type conservatives and uh, Thomas Sowell type conservatives, um, all the way to pretty liberal, uh, you know, people who are like big AOC fans, for example, who I haven't had on. Are people? <laughs> I yeah,
0: I can't with her.
1: Yeah, well, I appreciate being in conversations with folks because sometimes, uh, sometimes I think <laughs> it's funny. I had I, I had a conversation with, with somebody uh, not not too long ago that is very, very, very progressive, and what I realized is the person is suffering from. <laughs> is suffering oh, yes. from it's we're awesome. getting these comments live. That's why I'm like uh, getting it's distracted. In gym. It's, it's, a, it's like a collective narcissism. You know, it's like, how can you not believe this? How can you not feel so passionately about this? And how can, like, I, they can't imagine somebody having a different opinion than they, they do. It's like, I, maybe I'm being too harsh, but, but I could still have those conversations. Like I pre because I love, I love hearing and talking to people that disagree with me. The one set, uh, the one set of beliefs that haven't been represented is folks who are still on the stop the steel train folks who are still saying, Oh, January 6th was, uh, you know, legitimate, uh, political discourse. Like, nah, I just, sorry. That's a bridge too far for me. You people know, died. people freaking died. Like, you know, uh, so that's, um, but so, yeah, I mean, to be honest, like I've already said a bunch of Republican, uh, politicians here in my area, but like, and this might upset Kristin, but, um, but I, I, can't, I can't bring myself to vote for Mike Garcia. He was supposed to... We, we're, we, our district is a very closely held district. He won this district by 333 votes out of wow. over 340,000 people who voted. So that's less than one-tenth of 1%. So it's a really closely divided district. And yet Mike, from, from the first day of this uh, term, January 6th, uh, he voted to overturn the election of Pennsylvania. January 7th, he voted to overturn the election of Arizona, uh, and he's, his voting record and his, his public rhetoric uh, since since day one has been very very uh, hardcore MAGA, uh, and and I just can't get behind it. You know, whereas other politicians like Scott Wilk, our state senator Republican, he has found ways to collaborate by necessity because it's very um a very uh, democratic dominated uh, state senate, democratic dominated. Uh, assembly Uh, but but scott doesn't talk about democrats as if they're the enemy he doesn't talk about democrats as if uh, you know every time he he mentions a democratic politician he feels obligated to to vilify them you know so
0: um i say you know i i want to run for for some major political seat and i wish the rock (laughs) no larry hogan I love Larry Hogan. I mean, give me give me a Republican
1: executive like Larry Hogan or uh Charlie um what, what's his name from uh Massachusetts? Um
0: uh see I was thinking you were talking about uh what's his name Murphy from Vermont I thought you were going to say. Yeah, Murphy from Vermont that's another good one. Yeah, I think um, but you know what's so great about those guys that we're we're mentioning right now, it is those are so Murphy from Vermont to me is the Republican I grew up with as a kid that, that he meets that Hogan is is that same way. And and these are also all guys that stood there and go January 6th is bogus. Like, like this is, you can't do this. We don't do this, but here's one for you. Uh, Gabby, um, Oh God, I just had a brain for Hawaii. Um,
1: Oh yeah. Um, uh, she she was a dem in the Democratic uh, yes. nomination process. Uh, yeah,
0: what the heck is her name? Uh, somebody help me out Yo, here. Tulsi to, um, Tol- Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard. There you go. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, Jim. She just left. Now that's my favorite. Uh she, she she what? She just announced she's leaving the Democratic
1: Party. Oh, that's interesting. So I wouldn't be surprised. It. I don't think there's going to be a forward party presidential candidate in twenty four but I think we're going to have a lot of key forward party um, in in various uh, local and state elections in the 24 cycle. mean
0: by forward party.
1: Uh, So Christie's um, Christie Whitman, uh, Miles Taylor. um, What's his name? Uh, Andrew Yang. They got together and they kind of combined a bunch of different forces and they started the forward party and they're recruiting uh, candidates. uh, Not left, not right forward, you know, Um, they recruited a bunch of candidates who can't identify with the two major parties and they're recruiting a lot of candidates in numerous States for the 24 cycle, mostly at the state and local level. And I wouldn't be surprised. uh, I I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of people who are not big third party uh, because they think it's going to take away from whichever side they, they want to win, but it's like, no, wait a second, especially at the state and local level. I think we have an opportunity uh, to see it, it's the experiment, you know, at the state level experiments to see if this thing works. So I think that's one of the things that can maybe heal uh, some of the divisiveness, the, the warlike level of divisiveness that we have now. There are some other things too. I think um, open primaries, uh, the what, what's the what they did in um, Alaska, ranked choice voting. There, yeah. So there's some other processes that are going to help, but.
0: I am a big fan of ranked choice voting. Uh, it's used in a lot of countries, and it's it's interesting when you see it. You feel like your voice gets heard, and that third-party candidate gets heard. If you start looking uh, – Australia does ranked choice also. And if you start looking at it, you find that the third-party candidate is in the commercial with one of the bigger candidates, and they're like, hey, if you like what I say – Put me as number one, but you can make them number two that you start to, to see that working back and forth. But you bring up a great point. And, and this is something I have a lot of passion. And if anybody knows me, I, I stand by my fact that I'm, I'm a libertarian. I like being I love the fact of what it stands for. Yes, it's got some, you know, tin hats out there. But I think they <laughs> all do. Uh, I'm looking at I'm looking at you, uh, QAnon shaman, you. Uh, Uh, all the all the tin hat wearers but what i i'm curious of is you brought up that grassroots and my best friend ken and i talk about this all the time why do you think that some of these third party candidates can't get it into their mindset that they need to win that school election they need to win that county executive long before they start having these conversations about mayor senator governor because they get blown out instantaneously. And like you said, if you're a libertarian, all oh, you stole votes from from the Republican Party. If you're green, oh, you stole votes from the Democratic Party. They didn't steal votes, folks. People just didn't like your candidate, your candidates. At right. Turn. Right. But how do you feel about, you know, how do you even approach that? Maybe that's a better question. How do you approach those people and say, stop running at that level, run at this level?
1: Yeah. So. I mean, it's on an individual basis. There are some folks who just aren't educated enough about our civics to know where to even begin, to know to run for like the water board, for example. A friend of mine started with the the board that oversees how the water, where we get our water and how the water is distributed. Like that's a good start. It's actual practical stuff that affects our lives in our neighborhoods here in Santa Clarita. You know, another friend of mine is running for city council and she's great. She's such, you know, she ran, I guess technically she was on the ballot in 2020, uh, but she didn't have a long runway. So she lost, but she's been basically campaigning for the last two years, learning about all the different neighborhoods all over the Valley uh, and and really, you know, learning about how to run a campaign, how to run an election. Uh, And I think she's great. I think she's gotten a great education on it. And uh, I told her, listen, if Christy loses and we get Garcia again, I want you to run for the U.S. House District. But she has this two years of training of how to run an aggressive campaign. in uh, it, It's, it's a, a large portion of the U.S. House District. It's not, it doesn't cover the whole thing. But her just going to barbecues and doing fundraisers and, you know, she's learning how to do it. And then she'll learn the functioning of, of government, what it's like to sit on a city council and what her job actually is. Because running a campaign is very different than actually sitting on a city council and doing your job on the city council. So I think it's great. She's going to – if she wins, which I think she will, she's going to get a great education. Now, so, is she a third-party
0: person or it, what, what's her stance?
1: It'll be interesting to see if she does have to declare because at the city council level, you have to stay undeclared. Um, I, I think uh, – I, I forget what the designation is, but they don't have Democrats and Republicans for our city uh, council. Okay. We we know, we basically know who they are, like Bill, my friend Bill, who's been on uh, for the last four or five years is, and he was mayor for one of the terms. I know he's a Republican, lifelong Republican, conservative guy, Bill Miranda. Um, you know, so we, we all know what they are, but tec- technically for the city council, you have to remain undeclared, independent. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: And uh, Jim says he's originally from Bakersfield, lived in Humboldt. For 15 years before coming to New York, and this is interesting, he's aware of Corey's politics. Oh, how do you know? How do you know my politics? Uh, I will find out. So, Jim was very active, he's with uh one of my favorite political activist groups that needs all kinds of attention, should get all kinds of support. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence,
1: okay? Humboldt, so he's up in Humboldt. My my oldest kid lives in Humboldt now, uh, so. I just watched a movie about it actually kind of scared me. Cause it's like, I didn't realize
0: how big the pot industry was up there. He said, it's just, just the areas. He just knows you from the areas, I guess. Oh, okay. And he's in New York, he's in New York, but he's got me going out to, 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 you know, interview some candidates this week. Um, yep. Yeah, but that's pretty you know, cool. That's pretty cool. And that's the other side to it. Good, smart pilot. You know, it goes back to one of my favorite saying a person is smart. People are stupid. <laughs>
1: Interesting. Yeah, you get a committee together to design a horse, you'll end up with a camel. <laughs>
0: exactly. I, I yeah. can all, we, you and I can sit here and have this conversation. I promise you we have different viewpoints. Jim and I have had plenty of conver- have talked before. I promise you there's things we have to – one of my other close friends, Tom, he's the, he's the only reason that I believe in universal health care. Okay. sitting down and talking to this guy, and he explains some things to me. And went, you know what? You're absolutely right. I do agree with that. Yeah, but you know what you'll never get me to buy in on is uh college ed- college education for everyone. Go pound sand. You know why I don't believe in it? Because let me go show you what my uh, taxes, my school taxes look like after twelve years at spending a hundred and forty some thousand dollars on my kid, and yeah. you're telling me that when they walk out of school, they don't have a good enough education. But I have an aunt who retired as a bank vice president with a high school diploma.
1: Yeah. Hold no, on. there's a lot of people I know that um, they, they have other uh, ways of getting there. Like my education, I, I didn't get a college degree, but I learned finance from studying for, for my Series 7, Series 63. I, got, I, I was a stockbroker in my uh, early 20s. And then, um, you know, I, I knew I didn't want to be a stockbroker for the rest of my life. So I was a broker during the day. And at night I went to this theater conservatory and we were studying Shakespeare and Tennessee Williams and Odette. So I learned English. And I learned an appreciation for literature from doing it, you know. So my education was a little bit non-traditional, but I feel like I, I got a I got a really good one, even though I
0: don't have the the degree to show for it, you know. Isn't Isn't that amazing? It is it, so that's why like when people talk about oh, college education, everyone should have one. No, you shouldn't. No,
1: you yeah, shouldn't. yeah. No. So I got to I got to respond to the the politics thing. So what's interesting is that when I'm hanging out with guys that are like in the, I got one buddy who's a big Ben Shapiro fan. And he is absolutely convinced that I'm left of left liberal activist. But it's like, that's because, dude, you're in a bubble. Like you're in an information bubble, wow. you know? And then I got other friends who are pretty left. And they're like, Corey, I didn't know how conservative you are. So I, I don't know. Like we we sometimes, uh, the, my kids were going to this Christian school. They, they A bunch of people there, hardcore Republicans. They were all convinced I was a quote unquote died in the world Democrat. I'm like, I've been an independent since I started voting. No, yeah. I never heard of
0: what, Epic. what is, you have to tell us what that is there, Jim. I, neither one of us have heard of Epic. Uh, let's see if I say if I had Nathan around, Nathan would Google this for me and I'd already have, have an answer, so I'll have to look that one up. But it, it, it's interesting when people uh start to hear what your, your viewpoints are and they start going, Well, you must be one of these, yeah, yeah, no, no, not me, I don't know yeah, I think
1: there's there's so many of us that are like, we all have different views. You know, I think there's a lot more of us that the, the hardcore Republicans and hardcore Democrats, especially today's version of those parties is a shrinking element. I think there's a plurality of us that are independent with a lowercase I, like whether you register as independent or not, because I might feel one way on, say, like abortion legislation that's being put forth. I might feel a different way about immigration legislation. Like, tell me the, po- the actual policy itself. And then I'll have an opinion about it. You know, like I was against, I'll, I'll just give you an example. This is how Christy Smith and I got to know each other. I was against the $15 minimum wage thing here in LA. LA County, what came before California as a state. I wasn't against it because I'm um, like, I, I want to, you know, hold the workers down. Listen, I, I'm, a, I'm a small business owner and I take a, like all the pride is is about creating opportunities for people. So my, my objection to it was that, the people who were passing the legislation didn't understand the actual math. The math didn't work. They were asking us to raise minimum wage for everybody, including our our interns by 50% over a five-year period. And I said, listen, the way that we come up with our prices that we charge our customers is an exact, there's a specific calculation. It's based on the wages that we pay our guys. I can't raise my my rates by 50% in five years. How am I going to make that math work? So one of the reasons, Christy and I still, still she's the Democrat running here in, in California 27. So we still disagree about 75% of the time, if not more uh, on specific policy issues. But when she was in the assembly, she heard me. And she said, I understand, I still disagree with you about $15 minimum wage, but let's find something in the math to make it a little bit more uh, digestible. And she found something, in my case, it was workers' comp. So uh, she she came to understand that there were all these other expenses that were tied directly to our, our wages, like workers' comp. So she said, let's give small business owners some relief on the workers' comp so that they can make the minimum wage thing work. So we still had a lot of disagreements, but just the fact that she's looking creatively for some things in the state legislation to help small business owners out, that meant a lot. Like we were having the conversation. We could still talk across our differences and maybe come up with creative solutions. You know, that, that's what uh, collaboration is all about. That's what compromise is all about.
0: So bring that up. I, I just recently had this conversation with uh, somebody in my industry trying to explain to them how, what we do, how it works. And they were like, well, I, why do you keep saying 27 cents? And I tried to, I had to explain to them that in New York state for every dollar that your employer pays you, New York state asks for another 27 cents. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "What?" Well, yeah. I'm like, yes, New York state extortion fee is on average 27 cents. So when you ask your employer to, Hey, I need a $5 an hour raise. Well, think about that. You're giving New York state a buck 30 like, on top of it. Exactly. Uh, exactly. You're giving New York state more money. So New York state yeah. wants your wages to go up. They love to see your wages going up. That's a great thing for them because they're, they're stealing money from that, that business so that you, yes, you get more money, but so do they.
1: Now I hear the libertarian in you coming out.
0: <laughs> oh God, it's, it's, it's so true Who that I'm in that. Look, I'm such a, I'm a flat tax guy. I I'm such a flat tax guy. I know that like some people are like, Oh, it doesn't work. We pay on. I don't like the idea that I pay a third of my paycheck into taxes. And then my County asks for another 8% of my taxes. Like I can yeah. do the math on that. that means I'm paying 41% in taxes, Right off the rip, and yeah. that that means every dollar I make, I lo- I'm actually only making fifty nine cents on. And when you do that simple math, it's like no. So you,
1: you want to hear something that'll make you sick, you, and you'll never want to go into one of one of our companies. Is I'm so proud of this company. uh It's a like a, a residential and commercial um, services company. So they do all kinds of stuff: cleaning windows, uh, pressure washing. And I invested in them in uh, 2010, 2010. Um, and I'm so proud of how far they've come. And I love my team. Got the best GM in the world, the best office manager in the world. And you know we're, the crew is just fantastic. But I was talking about workers' comp. Workers' comp, every dollar that I pay to the guys, 42 cents above and beyond that. Goes to some insurance entity that I like. It just goes out the window. It's not going to the guys. It's got 42 cents for every dollar I pay to the guys. It's crazy, and it, right?
0: And it's because of uh, I I look at Workman's Comp numbers all day long to price the co- customers, and, and yeah, you start looking at them, and, and it's mind-boggling. It's like here in New York, it's like one point two percent for an office worker, but if somebody gets on a ladder, yeah, it, that's
1: when it goes. What is it in New York? California's uh, crazy.
0: It's so New York. It's actually somewhere in the twenty percent. Okay, Mark.
1: that sounds about right. I think the lowest states are like, you know, I I don't think there's any state that's in the
0: single digits, but like I've heard as low as 12%. We have scaffolding law though. Oh, okay. The scaffolding law in New York, if you go around New York City is where it comes from, you'll see all the buildings have scaffolding. Like there's always scaffolding. And what scaffolding law basically says is not only can you sue the construction company from a workman's comp standpoint, if you get hurt, you can also go after the building. Because oh, building. oh, that's interesting. So, so that goes up. But I, I wanted to get back to, to James here real quick. So he said EPIC is one of the more radical environmental groups from the 90s and 2000s in Northern California. They're now known as a website called wildcalifornia.org is what it became. And he also says that he appreciates compromise and collaborations as a political method. And he applauds you, Corey.
1: Oh, that's nice. I appreciate that. Yeah. And listen, like when your candidate doesn't win, you're not supposed to get everything you want, you know? But if they can still include you in the conversation, that's what I appreciated. Like I knew that, listen, she won. She's a Democrat, she's going to push for her policies. But the fact that she had me on her small business committee, the fact that she worked my language, my actual language into the policies that she was advocating for, that meant that she was, even though we still disagreed three quarters to 90% of the time, she was actually representing me in that, um, it, 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 you know, she, I, I was, then I was her constituent. I wasn't just the enemy, the adversary. I was her constituent. So I appreciated that, you know, and uh, I just appreciated the process. And even though we still disagree a lot of the times, I still respect how she arrives at her, her conclusions, how she arrives at, at legislation that she was supporting at the time. And hopefully if she's elected, like she'll, she'll be the same way, knowing that she has a lot of people who strongly disagree with a lot of her baseline policies. Uh, but that, that's why I was frustrated with Mike. The funny thing is, some, a couple. Of, I'm actually going to this dinner tonight. A couple of my best friends are like his biggest fundraisers. They have like these uh, big uh, fundraising activities for him uh and and uh i've been wanting to get mike on the program but he won't he won't come on like i'll give him a fair hearing you know and because he's still my represent as much as i disagree with where he was uh in terms of the election and and his voting record and stuff he's still our, our
0: representative I-, I wanted to get him on and just give him a fair hearing you know Chris get if you can't get him if if uh cory can't get him send him over here i know <laughs> he's, he's my then you p- can talk p- shit about p- me like he's my michael come on this fucking cory nathan god he's the pain p- of my existence my p- Tell me all about it. Tell me all about him. Come on, <laughs> come on. I want to. I want to. I want to hear what you got to say. You know. And then he'll sit there and be like. So my answer to him would always be,
1: "Man, shouldn't butt into anything It ain't his own affair." <laughs> I, I you. thought you were gonna go. I thought you know go, what we have here is a failure to communicate.
0: I have like this great other one, but I won't go. With like you know, I have some good ones on here, uh, but. I, want, I, I love it. So so Kristen says, thank you, Corey, for all you do. Thank you for being a politically positive person or a person who is positive, who is involved in politics. I can't wait to listen to your show. And uh, Jim also, He, this is the point of the third party politics to guide the conversation. And it's true. That's the idea here with third party, you know, and, and that's why I get into this with, with so many folks. And look, make sure you're getting over there and checking out www.politicsandreligion.us. See what Corey's got going on. Checking out Corey's show, talking politics and religion. uh If you're if you're looking, you're like, hey, which one is? It? it has a purple background. You'll see you'll see that it's very easy to pick up what show is his. Make sure you're going and checking it, in and you're following his show and subscribing to what he's got. And if you're finding me through him, subscribe over here. That's the way we guide these conversation. Also, and that's my biggest worst thing about being a third party voter is my candidates too many times as i said before think that well i should just get the biggest stage right now i should just just give me give me the biggest stage right now that's what i want
1: yeah yeah exactly
0: step into into that smaller space it's amazing what it'll do for you
1: and listen at the end of the day at the end of the day it's about getting along with people We're, we're Nobody's going to be our clone, you know, nobody's we're going to even people that I largely agree with, we still find disagreements, but that, that's how you learn. That's how you learn new things and come to a better understanding. You, uh, so I'll tell you something real quick, and I, I'm, I'm sure you got to wrap it up here pretty soon. But uh, so I have three kids. One of my kids is uh, I wouldn't call him hardcore MAGA, but he's definitely at least adjacent to that world. Uh, and I understand why he's, he, he's a, he works with his hands. He's, he's a brilliant kid. He's, um, uh, he, he, he's, uh, he's a welder and he learned TIG welding. And, you know, so he's hanging around with a lot of guys who are pretty hardcore, you know, red hat wearing guys. So when it came down to the, um, the vaccines, he wasn't anti-vax at first. He was just like, I don't know about it. I just want to wait and see, you know, I want to see if it gets passed by the FDA. And, uh, but just even saying that he, People in the family, friends just started beating him up, like just pounding on him. And I frankly, I was one of them. And then um, I circled back around with him once it did get past the FDA. And he didn't want to talk to me about it because he was like, "Ah, I don't want to talk about it. You guys beat me up and I'm done. So I'm like, I know. I'm sorry. It's my fault. I didn't approach it the right way because, you know, listen, I I believed in the efficacy of the vaccines. And I really appreciate it. I got got vaccinated. Um, But I learned from my son a few of the things like what his concerns were. And kind of what he was pushing back against. You know, for him, and you might say that this wasn't the most mature way of going about it, but for him, his decision was made once people started dogpiling on him as a rabbit, you know? Uh, so I, I got it. I understood why he had an aversion to the idea of it. And I had to earn the right to have a conversation with him about it. So then, fast forward a couple months, last year during uh, New Year's, I was meeting with my three best friends that I grew up with. And it was the first time in our whole lives that our entire families were going to be able to be together. And Jackie, we wanted Jackie boy to be a part of it. So there's 19 people in total. Jackie boy was the only one who wasn't vaccinated. So I just continued to have the conversation, Jack, we love you. This wouldn't be right. If, if, if you weren't there, we want you with us, your family, you know? And, uh, so I talked to the fellas and I said, Jack's just not going to get vaccinated. Um, and they, they were like, you know, they, they understood I explained it. And they said, well, will he get tested the day before he comes out? You know, because even that was objectionable to him. Because at that point, he was just like, I hate all these people. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And Jack, to his credit, he was like, yeah, I think that's a good compromise. You know, so it, me as his dad, I, and I do believe in the efficacy of vaccines, I wish he got the vaccine. But you know what? He got tested the day before he came out. That way, everybody, you know, felt safe. Um, And I thought that was a good compromise, but that's how that works in real life. It's like with my son, I'm not going to persuade him to take an 180 degree turn. And frankly, the way that we tried to go about it did more harm than good. You know, but if you get in a conversation, you emphasize the relationship over like winning the point or winning the debate. It's not about that. You stay in the relationship And maybe like he persuaded me, I understood his position better after having these conversations with him. And he understood me a little bit more and to the point where he wouldn't even get a test, but at least he got the test to make everybody feel safe and included and part of the family. So I think it looks more like that where there's like, instead of a 180 degree turn, there's a one degree turn, there's a five degree turn. And and part of that um, ability to persuade is the willingness to be persuaded. You know, so that's that's really that's at the heart of what this looks like. It's about being able to get together Thanksgiving or otherwise without wanting to throw the freaking mashed potatoes at my face.
0: <laughs> we, we, we've all got to get to that. And, and I I love it. And I, I think you're right there. It, it reminds me of my my least something said by my least favorite president, which is Reagan. And that is we need an 80 percent solution. We can if we can get to 80 percent. We can figure the other twenty percent out, and I didn't like that guy at all. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Oh God, no! I I worked in the unions. Oh, that, okay. That dude was a scumbag to union. That was
1: one of the first things he did. He broke up
0: the uh, traffic controllers union, right? Well, what he did to the what he did to the ATC when they went on strike, he basically made it illegal for any entity that is considered, uh, any entity that that's considered as a um. A national like need so railroaders got got grouped into that so railroaders if you know what's going on with the political scene right now railroaders can't go on strike unless congress approves it
1: oh oh wait so,
0: that's kind of backwards right so so they have to if they want to go on strike that's why it's making such national news when you hear it it's because them going on strike has to be approved by Congress. Uh, post office also it okay. falls underneath that. Uh, can't go on strike without congressional approval. So if they do go on strike, they are going 100% counter to this law that says you're not allowed to do that.
1: It's, so- you know, it's interesting. So I, I have uh, maybe a nuanced view on uh, union fights in general because there have been a few that I've been most familiar with. Uh, my, my main business is in an entertainment industry. So I've been very familiar with uh, the SAC strike of 2001, the writer strike around, I think that was 2008 or so. And the funny thing is, is that I've disagreed with the issues that they were striking for, but I believed in the principle of collective bargaining, Absolutely. the leverage that you can only have by being able to collectively bargain. So even though I disagreed with, I disagree with a lot, the actual issues themselves, as well as like the, they didn't assess their own leverage, even if they were collectively bargaining. But, um, but I believed in their right to do so, even if they were wrong about it, you know? So
0: and we got, I thought
1: uh, they ended up doing more harm than good to themselves uh, in both instances. But again, like I believe in, in uh, I believe in a, a, a union's right to exist and, and for, uh workers to have voices to be able to to have some leverage in the room with management but at the same time i also believe in individuals rights to not have to uh be a part of that union
0: <laughs> See, that's something I, I i could get into all day long and uh confused uh over at instagram i apologize i'm trying to figure out confused damn asset i don't know what that confused amnesiac there you go that, that's a tough for me i don't have a way for you to call in but you're welcome to to type out a, a question and we'll answer it because we're getting ready to wrap this up here in a moment but if you have a question please uh type it up and i'll be happy to ask it here but but it's see i i get into the whole union piece and when people are like well i don't want to be a part of your union but i want to work there it doesn't work like that yeah uh, and this is this is so my buddy tom this is his Facebook uh, profile, according to the Young Turks. Young Turks. Yeah. Biden plan was rejected by the union today. Yes. Oh, that's uh, interesting. Oh, so there is one of the three big unions today um, came out and said, "No, we're we're not voting that plan." So that there is a big chance that this strike um, will come come about, and that's why I say, if they strike, this is where does the political lines and the legal lines of this come in to where Reagan and his scumbag buddies um, really cause problems here that are finally being addressed. And if you really want to here, I'll give you one. You're out in California. Do you really want to piss off a a Republican? You really want to piss one off that, and they all talk bad about the California gun laws. You really want to upset them, remind them that the reason that California gun laws suck, Is because of Reagan,
1: yeah, yeah. No, it was. I I, I do remember having this conversation because the buddy I I was referring to a buddy earlier, uh, who is a big Ben Shapiro fan. And dude has a big old gun rack as soon as you walk into his garage, and Trump stickers all over it. And he was telling me the history of how a lot of these laws were getting passed. It actually, one of the early ones under Reagan, it had it it was one of the more explicitly racial uh, driven, uh, issues. I forgot exactly what it was.
0: I have to go back and study it. So that was the black Panthers. So oh, right, 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 right. Black Panthers used to walk kids through some of these horrible neighborhoods in Los Angeles. He would, they would walk them. There'd be one at the front, one at the back. California was an open carry state. So they would carry their rifles and shotguns and walk the kids to school and then, uh, walk them back. And yeah. people, oh, this is so scary. I I just can't handle this. Oh, it's so scary. So they complained about it. And what did he do? You know, pulled the race card on it and didn't want to admit that that's what it was. So he made open carry illegal. Also, they did a great job in California of demonizing the black Panthers who, Hey, if you get guys like a before school and after school lunch programs for kids, that's the black Panthers. That's what created those programs. But Again, race law, you know, government that we had at the time who loved to kind of attack this stuff and be like, oh, we can't have this. These are horrible people. No, no, it's just they weren't happy with you. So but we're, we're going to get ready to put a bow on this, uh, Corey. I know you got dinner tonight. You didn't even invite me, which is bogus. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how that happened. It must have got my invitation must have got lost. I'm going to get you hooked up with Kristen. Uh you that'd be
1: fun. Be, that'd, that'd be really great. I, In, in all sincerity, I, she, I've i been watching the comments come through. And, and uh, if we're in the area, li- listen, first round of drinks is on me. Maybe even the second round of drinks. Yeah, she
0: she's. Uh, I don't remember uh, what area of California she's in. It's not coming to me right now. I don't know why. I'm th- thinking San Bernardino is, is sticking in my head uh, up that way. And okay. That's some,
1: not too far from me.
0: She's gotten some great folks on my show. So we're going to do that. And again, uh, Sunday or Monday, you can catch the uh, Talking Politics and Religion podcast. So make sure you go in and you subscribe to that. Make sure you take a look at uh, www.politicsandreligion.us. And if you're looking for an opportunity to just individually reach out and talk to Corey, his Twitter is at Corey S. That's S as in Sierra. Uh, Nathan, so make sure you reach him out. He said Twitter is probably the best spot to get him. Uh, if you like what you're listening to here and you find us through Quarry, if you're one of our regular viewers and you haven't subscribed to everything, remember it's all the Above the Bar podcast at Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, TikTok. Even the email is podcast at gmail.com. So make sure you, you give us a, a likes and follows. And as I always tell you, If you really enjoy this, make sure you go to your neighbor's house and you knock on their door. When they answer the door, if they have their phone in their hand, just take their phone out of their hand. Start shuffling through their phone and make sure that they're subscribed. They will appreciate you for doing it. If you're traveling on public transportation, do the same thing. And when they go, what are you doing? Make sure you tell them, hey, I'm subscribing you to the Above the Bar podcast. You need this in your life. These are important things for folks to do. I will appreciate it when it gets on the news as to why you did it. And then that will increase our membership. I might even start a GoFundMe for you to get out of jail. <laughs>
1: that's <laughs> awesome. Take somebody's phone, you know, from the subway, type yeah. in, you know, above mm-hmm.
0: the bar pot, And you just say, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> all you, do. you just hand it right back to them. And they're like, what did you just do? Be like, you're welcome. <laughs> and when they're like, and then they'll listen to all these episodes and they'll be like, I appreciate you. Yeah. Trust <laughs> me. I know it's going to happen that way. People love that. So as we do on every show any live appearances anything for you coming up air Corey? anything we got happening soon no you know
1: listen in the 2023 we're gonna start looking at that i produce a couple other shows we're definitely gonna start doing some live appearances but uh th- there's one live appearance that i'm really crossing my fingers that actually happens and that's the live appearance with an audience of one and that's with Kristen when we get drinks together here in socal
0: <laughs> i think it's gonna i think it'll happen look you careful what you ask for i love her she is so connected and will make things happen. You're. She's going to inundate you with all kinds of stuff. She's going to be like, what about this one? Have you talked to this one? Let me introduce this person to you. She's got them all. Oh, that's awesome. She's got them all. Don't log off afterwards. You and I got to talk for a moment, as, as we always say here. Uh, we got to get into something real quick. But as we do on every single episode, the guest gets the final word. So what is the final word from you there, Corey? That's a great question. You kind of put me on the spot. And
1: I would say, just remember these two words. Help me understand. No, I'm just kidding. That was a thing. Like everybody did the the two words and they gave three. No, just remember, help me understand. Because I think that's a great way to enter into a a more productive conversation. If you genuinely come into it, not trying to win a debate or win some points, uh, because you're really not winning anything. But if you enter into it, and you emphasize the relational over the transactional, and you genuinely have a posture of help me understand. I, I, I didn't think of it that way. Oh, that's interesting. You know, help me
0: understand. All righty, folks, be sure to push your stool in.
1: This has been an Earplug Podcast presentation found on earplugpodcast.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and wherever your favorite podcasts are found.